You're listening to Circle of Hope Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2007 Frankfurt Avenue. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m. I hope you've had a good mentor in your life so far. I, I kind of hope you've had a bad one, too, because they kind of have different value <laughs> depending on what, what you need. Uh, early on, I had um, one when I was still in college, and I ended up the intern at the Baptist Church. I, I'm not sure exactly how this happened, but my, my mentor liked to take me and um, almost ceremoniously throw me in the deep end of church life and see what would happen. And so I, I ended up one day uh, baptizing people for the first time. He kind of he got me in his uh, robe. He wore a, a white robe to do this. He also wore hip waders to do this. You know what they are? You know, like when you're fishing and you drag you can drag yourself into the middle of the stream, about up here, suspenders, the whole thing under your white robe. And he insisted I needed to wear those too because that's what he did, and so that's what I was gonna do. So I. Um, I was supposed to make a real quick appearance back on the platform so it looked like you had never been wet or something like that. So the hip waders were, were good for that. I'm not exactly sure why we did that, but that's what we were doing. So I'm all suited up. And one of my first bapti- baptizees, is that, is that what you call them? I don't know what to call them. The, uh, was this gigantic man. I mean, we're talking fat. And uh, so he's this, he wades into this water in the platform that's up above, in the, there's a baptismal that's up above the platform that's full of water, and he wades into the water and he starts basically a tidal wave going because he's giant, and um, so much so that the water is going over the little glass thing and is sloshing over onto the platform and, of course, over my hip waders. So that was the first thing, but I, I got him down, and we, we, we pushed people backwards in the Baptist church, so I, had him, I was getting him to be baptized and go under the water so that he would die with Christ and he would rise up. So I got him down, and I was getting him under the water, but he began to float because he was very buoyant. And so I kind of had this guy floating around the baptismal in my first baptismal experience. And I was trying to figure out, now how am I going to get this guy up? You know, so... So I finally did. I, I, I finally got him upright somehow. But um, I didn't get back to the platform very dry. I just, because I had I'd sloshed out of the baptismal with, with, a, with a completely full set of hip, hip waders. And it was exciting for me. I never forgot it. And that, that vivid memory came to my mind not too long ago because I was talking to a guy, a guy that was about my age at that time, who was also an intern at a church. And I, I, was, I was having this really interesting time talking, talking about it, and um, he was so, so earnest, and um, yet he felt like such a failure. Have you ever, have you had, my, my mentor kind of made me feel like that sometimes, and he was feeling like that, and he was kind of a Pentecostal kind of guy, and so he was looking for this kind of faith experience that was always great always memorable. If you came in here waiting for memorable, I, I, I apologize because you've got me instead. Um, always um, kind of powerful and amazing. And uh, whenever he was criticized, you know, and he, and he came up against his failure for his um, sins, especially those, those pesky sexual sins, it really just kind of devastated him. And he ended up feeling 
fraudulent. And the solution to his problem, of course, uh, was to get right with the Lord. I really need to get fired up. I need to try harder, do better, and stop messing up. So I'm not sure that this totally worked for him, but when he was saying all this, I, I got... Um, uh, I guess I was, I was flashing on my own uh, mentor experience as an intern, and I was, always, I was also thinking about him. And what, what came to my mind was a story about when Jesus went to be baptized by John the Baptist. Do you remember this one? Um, I really like this picture of it. This is, this is a contemporary icon from Seattle, uh, where St. James Cathedral actually has a cathedral iconographer. Look him up, you could get, you could get that job. And uh, I like this one, because you got John the Baptist is all appropriately tan. You notice how dark he is? He's been out a lot, out into the wilderness, and there's fish involved, which I think is always great how they put them in. And it really captures the moment that is the essence of this story. It's all right there, and you can meditate on it if you want to. You, you know this story, right? John the Baptist is out in the Jordan River, kind of the wilderness territory out in Palestine, and he's getting people ready to receive the Messiah. And they're, they're going with it. They're going out to be baptized by him because they're repenting of their sins to get ready for when the Messiah shows up. But while this is going on, the actual Messiah shows up and asks John to baptize him. And John tries to dissuade Jesus and says, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? That's what, that's what I think is, might be happening right at that moment. Maybe this is a little late in the story. Jesus tells John this mysterious thing. He says, let it be so now. It's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. So John goes for it, just goes ahead and consents, and he baptizes Jesus. And as soon as Jesus comes up out of the water, the heavens open up and the spirit descends on him in the form of a dove. You can see that happening in the icon, right? And there's a voice from heaven that says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So I told my friend that story. And I told him, like, I, I want to... Um, tell you that you should take this lesson from it. If you want to swim in the deep waters of life in Christ, you'll have to get in the water with Jesus like Jesus has gotten in the water with you. You'll have to get in the water with Jesus like Jesus has gotten into the water with you. My friend had a problem with this story. Um, He only liked the part of the, when the heavens opened up and there was the voice that at least Jesus and John were hearing where it said, this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased because he really wanted to be pleasing. I don't know about you, but, but he was into being pleasing because he felt unpleasing. I mean, deep down, he always felt unpleasing and he did do some unpleasant things. He, he, there was reason uh, for him to be unpleasing. But he was really focused on that moment when he would finally make it and the heavens would open up and when he'd hear that voice and says, you are okay. Yes, I really love you. You are pleasing. You, you made it. And he would be this worthy son. So 
that's what he really wanted. And I kind of love that about him. I mean, I loved his passion and his determination to get it right. I mean, that's really good, right? He wanted to climb that mountain. He wanted to fulfill his potential. He wanted to get to his fullness and do what people expected. He really wanted to live up to what they expected. Maybe you don't. He did. He was sincere. He really wanted to live up what people expected. But I, I finally pointed out to him that while the voice was speaking from heaven, Jesus was still wet. He's, he's still in the water. When Jesus heard the voice of his father, he was still dripping. It was, it was, his beard was all wet, long hair is all wet, still holding on to John. John's all wet. Although John was kind of has a little dry baptism thing going on this one, right? I mean, that's very tidy. He doesn't get wet, I guess. I don't know what that is about, but uh, I don't think that's how it happened. Because he was probably, John was probably down in the water with Jesus. And, and Jesus might have been naked. They, always, they, they draw this icon and Jesus is naked, too, because people apparently used to get baptized naked. Maybe we should reinstitute that. I think that's kind of cool. I mean, that's real, right? I mean, because the truth is, you have to think about it, because the symbol when Jesus is naked and in the water, you know, Jesus stripped himself of all the prerogatives of being the Son of God and became a person, just like you and me, in time, in our water. He didn't get thrown into the water like some intern, like God's little intern, let's go, get, let's go get you out there. That's not what it was. And he wasn't chosen to be the son of God at that moment. At, at that moment, he is the son of God. He is the long-awaited king coming to enter our water on purpose. He's doing it on purpose. John the Baptist is really quick to point this out because he knows his water that he's using here, this baptismal water, this whole symbol that he's going is all about sin. When you get into the John's baptismal water, you're supposed to be repenting of your sin. You're supposed to be doing something to get right with God who is in charge of death. So it's that kind of baptism. So he says, well, what are you doing here? You should be baptizing me. I don't need to baptize you, but Jesus said, let it be so. It's proper for us to fulfill all righteousness. So what do you make of that? Um, my young friend interpreted that scene a certain way, because he could get, now this is the part he could get into. Oh, okay, Jesus is being proper. Jesus is doing the right thing. He's fulfilling all righteousness by doing this, this thing with John. Because he certainly wanted to be like Jesus if Jesus was doing that. Doing everything right, being righteous, getting the affirmation. But I had to point out, you know, that's great. You want to be like Jesus. That is really great about you. Because you really want to be like Jesus. But that's only part of this story. Don't you see that Jesus wants to be like you? Don't you get it? Jesus wants to be like you. That, that's, what, that's what he's doing. That's what's happening. God has get, already gotten into a body like yours. Now he's getting into your time and your water. He's getting into your sin with this baptism. He's, he's even getting into your death, as you're going to see when the rest of the story unfolds here. Don't you get it? He gets baptized to take on your sin and death. He did it then, and he's doing it now. This is still, this is a live thing that is going on here. 
That's how he's going to fulfill all righteousness. He's going to take on our sin and and the death it causes. He's going to expose it. He's going to wrestle it. He's going to defeat it. He's going to condemn death to death. That's why the heavens are opening up. Everybody in heaven is looking down on this and say, look at this. Can you see this earth? This is the whole thing we've been waiting for right here. There's the Son of God taking, right, taking your life right on so you can have life, so we can be together again. He's becoming one of you so you can become one with us. That's what, that's what I wanted my friend to, to get. You'll need to be in the water and hear the voice with Jesus. That's how it works. My, my friend really wanted to be out of the water. He was always in hot water. But he wanted to get out of the water. But Jesus is in the water. So if you want to swim in the deep waters of life in Christ, you'll need to get in the water with Jesus like he's gotten in the water with you. It's a real internal struggle, you know, Jesus in my water? I don't know about that. And it's, a, it's an external struggle, too. You know, me getting out into the water with Jesus. You might not want to do it. I mean, not too many people get, uh, get into the deep spiritual waters. I mean, just seriously, just frankly. Not, not too many people actually want to go there. They want, to, they want to jump right out of their baptism and start doing things right. And that's all they do. But Jesus wasn't even like that. You know, Jesus, when he was going, towards the, going to the cross, he remembered his baptism in the King James where it says, I have a baptism to be baptized with and how I am straightened until it is accomplished. That word straightened gets translated a few colorful ways. I'm, I'm, uh, it consumes me, the sense of my baptism here, my goal here consumes me. This, this, this act I'm going to do, is, it constrains me until I'm completed. I'm distressed, it's translated. I'm, I'm in anguish. The Lord's suffering is, is drawing him like a tractor beam. He really wants to complete that mission. He has something that's going to change the world, and he wants to be in it, and he wants to do it. It's his entry into the deepest part of the, the good water. That's where he's going. And how he goes is how you get into the deep water. I have to go with the same kind of conviction that pulled Jesus to the cross. I have to pay attention to the movement. I have to turn towards the suffering and not just away from it. I have to move into the goodness, not turn away from my fulfillment when it scares the pants off of me about where I might be going here. I have to keep the blinders off. I have to get wet. I've often told this story, but Gwen, Gwen recently got me on a helicopter ride, and so it refreshed this memory for me. Um, that I, so I have to tell this. So this uh, it's made, kind of made it fresh again. Here's the, here's the helicopter that I was in. Um, much better weather in this picture. Um, much better looking guy in this picture. But this is a facsimile, okay? But I, ha- I had that seat. I'm super afraid of heights. And so Gwen thought, of course, well, let's go on a helicopter ride. And you should go. And you should be on the, you should be right next to the doors off part. And so um, Gwen is the one that you take her to the lake and she finds the highest possible rock and then she jumps off of it. 
swan dives off of them. I have a picture of it. It actually happens, and I'm the one, I'm the one that gets at the top of the jungle gym, and I have to remind myself, you're not going to die. Okay, that, that's, that's kind of how I am. So the helicopter, you know, you're on the helicopter, and I'm by the door, and when the helicopter goes to the right, you know, this guy just kind of like feels like he's falling out of the helicopter. So I had to say, no, you have like 10 straps on you, you'll be all right. Don't let them see you pant, you know, that kind of stuff. So that's what I was doing. So here's the old story that this refreshed my memory of. You know, um, one time I was, uh, we were out at Lake Havasu, and of course Gwen found a, a rock to jump off of. This was, a, this was a tiny rock, I have to admit it. She jumped off like, what was it, a three-story rock one time? I don't know what it was, but this one was like a half-story rock. And so, um, but the kids had already all jumped off of it. They're like five or something, so they're having a great time. And so they're all in the water, and so they, they turn, and they're watching me now jump off. And so I'm, of course, I'm... I'm Brave, so I'm going to go and, and do this and jump off this rock. But and I'm, I'm getting to the edge, and so of course I am frozen with irrational fear, and I can't jump off the rock. It's getting embarrassing. Jumping is hard for dad. Um, so Gwen comes up with a solution for me. She decides to push my faith button, my strong suit, my one strong suit. She's, it's inspired, and she shouts, Behold, it is God who waits. Leap then into the arms of God. <laughs> I did. I leapt. I, automatically. I, I, I did it. I don't know if she got the quote exactly right from Kierkegaard, but probably. So um, it worked. You know, um, and it, it always reminds me, you know, to get, to get in the deep waters of the spirit, it might feel a little bit like that, feel like a leap. Not, a lot, not everyone wants to go there. Um, it, might, it might go against your ideas um, and your feelings that usually run you, you know, the, the track you're on all day, the way you do it. I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, some, sometimes I feel like I'm up on the rock one way or the other, you know, every day. To get, to get into the water, you know, that symbolic water of life, that deep place where I'm really invited to go with God, I need to do something. I'm probably, I'm probably going to need to do something that feels like a leap to get, to get into the ocean of grace where we love to just float sometimes and sometimes we ski, I guess, and sometimes we are, we are lopping around like a dolphin, I guess. Uh, we have to get immersed. And getting, getting into that water is, is often an internal journey. And by internal, I mean you have a spiritual place in you or you relate to God, person to person. It's the place where you love and where, where you love God. Um, some of those places in you and that spiritual place might even be unknown to you right now. You might even feel like you know, you're moving into a dark place, into an unknown place, trusting God. Jesus wants to get in that water with you. Jesus wants you to be there. You already are there, and he wants to get in that with you. And... Uh, Get you connected to God. I mean, are you still afraid what's going to happen if you go there? Are you afraid what's going to happen if you, if you change? Maybe so afraid you never really get into that deep water, ever? Don't even think about it? My young Pentecostal friend, he, what he wanted to do was get out of the water. To get out uh, where he didn't feel so good, where it wasn't so frightening for just a minute. Or he wasn't so feeling bad about himself. He loved it when the band played, the lights got dim, 
the bass started throbbing a little bit so he could, you know, kind of move in him instead of having to move himself. And then he was praising, which he knows God likes. And he could do that, and he could work himself into that feeling where the sky is opening up, and he's feeling connected to God, and he's doing what God likes. And that, I think that's great. I, I'm really glad he had that, but it's only great to a point. I mean, if that's all it is, it might not be too great. Because the other side was God getting immersed in him. His family, and it was sorted. His, uh, his, uh, his system, his frayed church relationships, um, his doubts, his fears, his sex life, or lack of it. You know, God needed to get immersed there to Jesus in there caring and relating. I mean, I honestly think that a lot of people um, would prefer just to think that, you know, they could do Christianity actually than, than, rather than being immersed in it. They could kind of visit it, do it, do it on their off time rather than being immersed in it. My, my friend really wanted to be like Jesus when he was wanting to be like Jesus, but he didn't want Jesus to be like him very much. He really thought he had to handle it by himself so he could get to Jesus. We didn't really think this as if he didn't think Jesus needed to die and rise for him. But practically, you know, after the baptism, he was in charge of it himself, and he thought he had to do it right, be a good follower. So Jesus wasn't really in the water with him. So he, he, he was uh, drowning in demand all the time, trying to get it right. And so alone. You know, I don't want, I don't want to go into this too much, uh, you know, like I do, of course, about how, how capitalism calls isolation freedom and how your therapist, sorry, I'm a therapist, sometimes calls your um, autonomy health. I don't want to talk too much about the study I read that describes how, how loneliness is one of the number one killers in the world. I kind of passed this around on Facebook the other day because I said, wow, that's amazing. It's, more, it's deadlier than obesity. I, I, don't, what, I don't know what that is, means exactly, but I thought obesity was pretty deadly. This is deadly. Even this, just a subjective feeling of lone, loneliness, even if you're not actually alone, really, even if you just feel it, it, it says it could, this study said it can uh, increase your chance of death by 26%. Not 25, 26%. So, um, you know, it can cause your sleep, cause you to be sleepless, depressed. You know, these, all these things are true. But, but, we're not, but we're not really alone. My friend was, was doing it all alone, but we're not really alone. Jesus is right there in the water with us. That's the whole point. I mean, what if, you, what if you want to go there? I like this picture. It's kind of like Jesus in that place with you. Jesus is waiting there in you somewhere for you. If you want to be there in your own water with Jesus, um, I think Jesus wants to be there, longs to be there with you. What would you do this year, still early, to swim in the deeper grace. I know this, for some of you who grew up in faith, this might sound like something your, your Sunday school teacher told you. What did you call it before? It wasn't Sunday school material. 
it was early childhood religious development or something, something like that. Um, what if you What if you read the Bible again? Have you ever, do you ever do that anymore? What if you What if you uh, the Bible is kind of like uh, another incarnation of God, in a way. Jesus really getting into your own language, and and God can speak to you. I mean, look how much stuff I've gotten out of one story of the baptism of Jesus. This goes on and on. It's it's deep. You can access it, but it it keeps getting deeper if you want to go there. It slows us down. If you actually read something, it slows us down and gives us space to mentalize. Um, it inspires us. And I think it's really good for weaning us away from all the info bits that you're consuming right now. You know, because we don't think anymore. We just process data. And um, when you read the Bible, it's really hard kind of not to think. It's really not just data. You could at least read the passages from the daily prayer. This week was all about Psalm 139, right? Did you do it? She was trying to get you to, uh, to memorize it even and to really slow down and get into that um, particular part to get immersed, not to skim. So think about what you could do. Because to get into the deep water, you're going to have to do something. If you want to get into the deep water of the spirit, it might feel like a, a leap. It might go against the ideas and the feelings that you usually have, the things that run you all the time. I mean, when you think about that, I mean, sometimes I actually feel like I, to get out of the things I usually do, it's like I'm up on the rock and I'm going to have to take a leap, like every day. To get into the symbolic water of life, I'm actually going to have to do something. To get into that ocean of grace and feel comfortable there, I'm going to have to change, have to get immersed. It's an external journey, too, like I was saying. And by external, I mean there's spiritual places where you should go that are outside of you. Jesus is already ahead of you into places where you are yet to go. And when you go there, you'll meet God where he's already been. You enter in. You're deployed with spiritual life, creating spiritual things, doing things that um, you're given to do. And, of course, for many of us, that means like moving into some kind of dark, unknown place, things that we don't, aren't normally doing because we're in our usual track. But that's the movement of Jesus, isn't it? Jesus is coming from God himself and coming right into our own water, you know, taking on our own sin and death. We um, go to those sin, sinful places, dark places, too, with life just like he does. My friend I keep talking about, what he thought he was going to do um, if he was going to follow Jesus, um, he thought his baptism would make him free from suffering. What do you mean? If I, get bapti- if I get baptized, doesn't that mean that I'm supposed to be like, okay now? I thought that was the big promise of Christianity. He wanted to be out of the world. He wanted the heavens to open up, get your stamp, at a, a stamp of approval from someplace that's far away from this mess I'm in. And I want to feel free of that. Some of you might not be ready to go there like he wasn't. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say one more thing, but I just want to warn you, you know, some of you don't want to do this, and I don't really, I'm not trying to torment you like you're bad, okay? It takes time. The kinds of stuff I'm trying to talk about, I think it's some simple in one way, but really profound in another way. And if you're not quite there yet, let's be careful with yourself, all right? Because you get compared to somebody else that's better than you, and then you start thinking you're crap, and then we're back into that. 
So that's not what this is about. You know, but, but, but that's there for you. This is, this is an offer Jesus is making. Because I want to bring up uh, Martin Luther King in honor of um, Black History Month. I just got to get some more before it's done. And he's such a great example of someone who got into the deep waters outside of himself for Jesus' sake. And he really bore his part of the Lord's suffering, just like it says in Colossians. Ever read this one? Put this on your, your living room wall. I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Everything Martin Luther King was doing to fulfill that verse started happening when he was about 25. How old are you? Don't, don't let anyone despise your youth, okay? That's when he got started. When King became the leader of the Montgomery Improvement Association, remember that, 1955, he just completed his schooling and he was a new pastor in Montgomery. He said that after he was elected the leader of this association, that had he known what he was going to get into, he might not have accepted the uh, nomination. He might not have done it. Instead, when he found out he was a leader of it, he rushed home and he told Coretta about his new responsibilities and how there was going to be this rally at 7 p.m. tonight. And so he started preparing what he was going to say. And he got down in his study and he started praying. Had no idea what he was going to do. But he only had two things that came to mind. He wanted to tell them, you have to live up to your dignity and you have to do it in the love of Jesus. That was about his, his main point. He's 26 years old at the time. When he got to the meeting, 5,000 people were there. And he, was, he electrified them. And not just them, he really electrified the entire nation. What he said that night just went everywhere. Before long, there was about, um, he was having days when he would get 40 calls to his house threatening his family's life. And it would be 381 days, you probably know, of walking to work and threats before things began to change on the buses. He said in stride toward freedom, I, I won't have any money to leave behind. I won't have fine and luxurious things of life to leave behind. But I just want to leave a committed life behind. He got immersed in what he knew was his part in, fill, in filling up what was left of Christ's sufferings. What is it for you? What do you think is going to happen this year? What do you think is going to happen? Donald Trump may have been involved with the Russians, right? I don't know. What is going to happen with that? Did you watch the press conference? I don't need to say any more. Um, you know, what are you going to do when what you fear happens? What are you, what are you going to do? You thought about it? I mean, it's going to paralyze you? Are you just going to stand on the edge of the rock and say, I've got to get, the, get, get off this rock? If you want to be in the deep water, you're going to have to respond to your negative anxiety, and you're going to have to ex respond to your positive inspiration with some kind of action. Now, Gwen and I were talking about this the other day, and, and uh, we felt like we really needed to stick with Jesus no matter what flood came upon us and whatever storm was in that flood. And we both agreed that we needed to do what we needed to do regardless of what was coming at us. So we sat down at our table and said, whatever it is, you know, we're going to do it. We're going to help each other do it. 
we're doing one thing right here. That sounds really dramatic, probably. But we're doing one thing here, of course, that you actually can do because you are doing it. Whenever you form the church, whenever you acknowledge that Jesus is the king, Jesus is the one, you're actually doing something. When we're on the way of Jesus together, we are innately resisting the evils and injustices of the world. So you can do that at least. But what would you do if God, you know, if you could do whatever God wanted you to do? What would it be? If that's just not a rhetorical question that just bounced right off your head just now, then it's okay if it did. But if it actually hit you, whatever it is, you, you know, start, start by starting. Don't start by ending. You'll never get there. You know, start by starting. Take the, take, take the step you can take and go that direction and you'll get to the end of it. If you could take the step you can take, you'll end up swimming like a whale in that ocean of grace. That's you, that's the whale, that's the ocean of grace. Are you wondering, is that, is that photoshopped? Can that be real? How, did, how in the world did they get a picture like that? You might be thinking, how, how in the world did I ever get in an ocean of grace? What is he talking about? Um, I, don't, I don't know how it all happens, but, but Jesus is submerged in us. And we are submerged in Jesus. And somehow we breathe with new capacities and we swim in deep waters of the Spirit. So let's help each other get there and, and stay there. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect tab at circleofhope.net.